can't get enough of the podcast? Lucky for you, our video IQ platform on adorebeauty.com.au houses thousands of articles on skincare, makeup, hair care, and more. Plus, you can find a heap of video tutorials, ingredient spotlights, and brand breakdowns on our YouTube channel. Just click on Beauty IQ in the menu bar of the website or app or search Adore Beauty on YouTube for more beauty content. Before we begin today's episode of Beauty IQ Uncensored, we acknowledge First Nations people as the traditional owners of the lands and waters of Australia. We recognise and pay our respects to elders past, present and future whose lands were never ceded. Welcome everybody to Beauty IQ the podcast. I'm your host, Joanna Fleming. And I am your co-host, Hannah First. So we're Mm going to play a game Mm -hmm. and you're going to have to feel a product Mm -hmm. And then you're going to tell me what it is. Okay. You're going to have a crack at what it is. Yeah. Okay. Bear with us. I'm just blindfolding Hannah so she can't see anything. Have a feel around. Describe it. It's a makeup product. Mm-hmm. There's a logo on the top. Oh, I don't know what this is. You cannot swatch that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Don't. Don't. <laughs> get it back in. There we go. <laughs> It feels like, is it Dior? Yes. Blush? No. Dior highlighter? No. Dior eyeshadow? No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I got Dior though. Yeah. It's the Dior lip glow oil. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) Why couldn't I swatch it? Because I don't want it on your hand. Oh, okay. Oh, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I get you. I get you. I'm going to put a little bit on now though. How good that I got Dior? Yeah. I'm Was actually the shocked. The lid that the, got you. Yeah, the mm. lid, I think. Okay, next one. What, what does it feel like? The f- <laughs> Mascara. Mm. Oh, bad gal bang. No. Oh, it's benefit though. <laughs> no. She's so confident. <laughs> you can't look. No, I'm not. I'm trying to figure out. It's definitely mascara, but this here, it's like got grooves here. Mm. I thought that was benefit for sure. Is it Eye of Horus? No. Is it L'Oreal Paris? Close. Maybelline? Yes. It is Maybelline. I have no idea. Falsies. No, that's L'Oreal. What? (laughs) 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 What, Which one is it? Sky High. Sky High. Yeah. You've gotten close with both though. Mascara though. All right. One more. Describe it. It feels like a lip gloss tube. No. It is It Cosmetics Bye Bye Under Eye. Correct. Oh, <laughs> how the f- did I get that? I'm so surprised. You, you're very familiar with yeah. that. I had to put one in there that I know you use. Okay. That's it? That's it. Okay. Your turn. Yeah. I chose easy ones. Well, mine not easy. Nah. Oh. I tried to choose ones that I knew you'd be able to get. Oh. If you don't get this. That's so heavy. Oh. Cuban tobacco. Yes. <laughs> Had to start I was with- like, what is this? <laughs> had to start with an easy one. Yes. <laughs> right, we're going to get progressively more difficult. Okay. Um, It's a tube, like it's a cylindrical tube and there's a pump on the top. Is it hard lava? Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Good one. Oh, I know this. This is Kerastase Elixir all team. Yep. 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 I knew immediately yep. as soon as I felt that shape of the bottle. Yep, and glass. Okay, yeah. that, was, that was too easy. <laughs> or do I just know my products really well? I feel like this one might, you might not know this one. <sighs> this is a serum bottle. It's got a dropper. Oh, too big for a serum bottle. Oh, is it? 
triple the size of a serum bottle. Is it? Are you still post <laughs> No, this is a hard one. It's the libido essentials oh. oil. Oh. Get off me. <laughs> Not for that. I use it as a body oil. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's okay. Then. Jesus. <laughs> it's a massage and body oil. Okay. That but actually smelled a lot like these. I love your reaction. <laughs> Does that smell like something that it's like a, a body oil? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was the other answer I was going to go with was sand and sky emu drops or whatever they're called. So I was going to be way off. It's a hundred mil. So it's a little bit bigger than Okay. That. Yeah. Yeah. Don't open it. Why is this so light? Because it's empty. Oh. <laughs> got something it feels like a foundation bottle uh-huh it's got something on the top like an etching of some kind on the top anything on the bottom it feels like dior face and body mm, close is it mac no no close feel like mac not those brands but you're what on the right track bot- what other brand has this bottle oh do you want me to tell you yeah. Ultraviolet dream screen. Oh, of course it is. Ah, Damn it. At least I could I have stumped you with one. I could have gotten that. Yeah, I should have just felt this a little bit more. It has the logo. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good game. Good game. Good game. <laughs> <laughs> so on today's episode, uh, this was actually requested by me. What happens to your gut when you switch to a vegan slash vegetarian diet? Then I'm going to give you my top frizzy hair recommendations and, of course, the products we didn't know we needed. Hannah, as you said in the intro, you actually requested this particular topic and I thought there'd be no one better to talk about the gut changes when you become vegan and vegetarian than dietitian and nutritionist Millie. So welcome back to the podcast. Millie Padula is from Melbourne and we've actually had her on before back in the day. When would have that been, Millie? Back in the day, I actually, I was thinking about this this morning and I do believe it was my first podcast interview, which was super exciting, but pre-COVID or mid-COVID, yeah. 2020. Might have been 2020. Yeah, yeah, so a long time ago. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you back. We probably traumatised you if that was the first <laughs> podcast interview. <laughs> no, I remember being so nervous, so I'm excited <laughs> to be back on and hopefully my uh, podcast and interview skills are a little less rusty than they were <laughs> back then. Great. Well, let's get started. We want to know what actually happens to your gut when you switch to a vegan or vegetarian diet. Yeah, really good question. And just to differentiate between the two in case anybody is unsure. So vegetarian style dietary patterns exclude most animal products. So typically your meat, chicken and fish. However, they still allow for the consumption of your dairy foods and eggs, whereas your vegan diets exclude all animal products and those animal byproducts as well. So it is a little bit more restrictive and a little more challenging, but essentially what happens to your gut when you switch to a vegan or vegetarian diet will largely depend on the quality of your current diet. So for example, if you are already consuming a lot of those plant foods, so remembering that plant foods are our fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, lentils, legumes, and whole grains, I feel like I can reel those off the top of my head, then your gut may not change all that much. However, if you consume high quantities of animal products and minimal plants, your gut may experience more of a change when you actually switch dietary patterns. So most plants are rich in dietary fiber, which is also known as that bulk or that roughage. And our bodies don't actually digest any fiber. So it moves all the way through our digestive system into our small bowel and then into our large bowel to promote that regular movement through our digestive tract. So it helps to keep us nice and regular, keeps those bowel motions moving through. 
So when you do switch to a vegan or vegetarian diet, you may find that your bowel habits change. So some people notice they have more frequent bowel motions, depending who you are, could be diarrhea, could be you find you're a little bit more constipated. But to summarize what actually occurs with the fiber. So fiber in particular, prebiotic fiber can actually manipulate that beneficial bacteria in our gut microbiome. So prebiotic foods actually feed and stimulate the growth of good bacteria in our gut. So good bacteria is also called probiotics. So prebiotics feed probiotics in summary. And the greater amount and greater diversity of probiotics that we have in our gut, the better our overall health outcomes. So this is why diversity in the diet is so, so important. We all should be aiming to consume around 30 different plant foods every single week to change the probiotic composition in the gut. I'm definitely not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) You would honestly be surprised. I think you'd be surprised. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you think about it, like let's say you have a bowl of porridge for breakfast. So you've got your oats, which is one plant. And let's say you have banana on top, that's another plant. You might have some strawberries, another. Let's say you have a drizzle of peanut butter, that's already four plants. You might sprinkle some seeds, five. Okay. So if you are having a lot of different fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, even like a multi-grain loaf of bread that has all of those different grains and seeds, like you could be having four or five different plants in that one slice of bread. So it's much easier than you would think. What if I'm having plain pasta with some olive oil on it and salt and pepper and cheese? <laughs> How many's in there? (laughs) Zero. There's nothing in that. You've got one from the flour that makes up the pasta. So delicious, but yeah, not great for the gut health. So essentially, more plants you eat, the better it is for your gut. And we know that gut is central for our overall health and well-being. So you can experience things like improved mood, stronger immunity. Something that a lot of people don't know is 70% of our immune cells are actually found in our gut. So the more you feel your gut, the stronger your immunity will become. So Yeah, we love gut health and the more plants, the better. I think I do know the answer to this question already because I've experienced it and my mum experienced it when she went vegetarian. Can being vegan or vegetarian cause us to have more gas? Yes. Yep. You were right. (laughs) Yes, I knew it. (laughs) Yeah, it absolutely can, especially if you are consuming a lot of those plant foods that are really high in fiber, which I, of course, would be recommending. So I'll explain why, but I feel like a lot of people get really deterred and really anxious when they do notice that their gas is, you know, upping the ante a little, but it is a completely normal part of digestion. Being healthy. Being healthy. Exactly, exactly right. So some people do notice that their gas can be quite painful and affect their day-to-day life. And if that is the case, Uh, it could be like an irritable bowel syndrome or, you know, which we know is really common or something more serious but the reason why we experience those higher volumes of gas when we increase our consumption of those plant foods is because as I mentioned before fiber travels all the way through the gut it sort of skips being absorbed in the small intestine which is where all our other food is absorbed it goes on to the large bowel where those prebiotic fibers are fermented and a byproduct of fermentation is gas so it's pretty simple nothing to be afraid of. Again, you know, the quality of your diet or an underlying intolerance may make the gas more painful, more severe. But if that is the case, just keep note of your symptoms and see a doctor or a dietitian before you make any crazy dietary changes. Would that tend to taper off like once you adjust to the diet? Like if you went from eating meat quite consistently and then you've gone full vegan, does the gas then kind of your body just gets used to it and over time it reduces or will it stay that way? 
Yeah, exactly right. So it's even the same with uh, like intolerances, let's say a dairy intolerance. Initially, when you reintroduce dairy, you may notice that your symptoms are quite severe, but as your digestive system and your digestive enzymes sort of get used to having that food, it is something. And everybody will have different tolerance levels as well with how much plants or how much dairy they consume. So it's just being aware and knowing when your your limit is. Mm Mm-hmm. And if we do go on a vegan or vegetarian diet and then you decide to return to eating meat, should you gradually reintroduce that to your diet? Like, is there something that happens to our gut when we reintroduce meat? Yeah, not necessarily anything damaging or dangerous, but, you know, again, it depends on the individual, the health of their gut, how long they've gone without meat as well. And I feel like, I don't know if you girls have seen this, but on TikTok and Instagram, there is a lot of vegans who are reintroducing meat and there's a little bit of shame around it. And I just wanted to say that there definitely shouldn't be any shame around reintroducing meat or changing your dietary patterns. But yes, I would introduce, I would recommend, sorry, introducing meat slowly back into the diet. So meat is very high in protein, but it's also high in fat and it has a really complex structure. So it is a little bit harder to break down and digest, which may result in a bit of discomfort for some, perhaps not others. So again, it just depends on the person. A little bit at a time, initially, small quantities. And something that I feel like we all need to do is chew our food a little bit better. So making sure you're chewing properly. And you may want to start with something lighter like fish, which is a little bit easier for the stomach and the bowel to break down. And then you could reintroduce, you know, your chicken next and then your meat as you progress, so just giving your bow time to adjust. So I actually had this question because I don't know if I was actually feeling things that weren't happening, but I went and had pho the other night and I haven't, I don't eat meat and it's been like over 20 years and I had like the chicken stock, the pho with the chicken stock soup and my stomach after that, and I don't know if I was just imagining things or if actually even a broth, my stomach was like in pretty bad pain after eating it. Did, am I imagining things? Possibly, possibly not. It depends on the type of broth. So most store-bought chicken broths are actually vegan, so they don't have any chicken. No, it um, was definitely not vegan. So no, potentially, like if you haven't eaten meat for 20 years, absolutely your gut yeah. would have been like, what is going on? What are these compounds? Yeah. But generally, broths are quite easy to digest. So if there was no actual breast in there, yeah, or it could have been pho generally is really high in a lot of those prebiotic foods that can cause our stomach to feel a little bit comfortable so you know it could have been that could have been a combination of spice and all of those things that made you feel a little bit um she probably ate a whole head of broccoli beforehand <laughs> as well and she's like it's definitely the chicken stuff. <laughs> okay so i had heard tell me if this is a myth but that you lose the enzymes to break down meat in your stomach is that true you don't lose the ability to digest meat when you do go vegan but there is a little bit of research to say that some of those enzymes that break down the protein in meat you don't lose them but they get a little bit lazy because they're not used to digesting so there's not enough evidence for us to say like you could supplement a dietary enzyme to help when you reintroduce food help with that digestion but yeah it's it's again you know comes down to you and if you are noticing that your stomach goes into havoc when you are reintroducing it just take it slowly and small amounts at a time and some people just find that certain foods don't sit well in their stomach and it might not be due to any particular enzyme or intolerance it's just we're also different and our gut microbiomes 
are also different. And in terms of supplements, I'm so interested to hear what you have to say about this. But if you're vegan or vegetarian, are there any supplements that you recommend? Like I try to have fish oil and B12, but sometimes I forget. Generally, you know, as a dietitian, I always follow a food first approach. So if there is an underlying deficiency, you know, let's try and correct it with food first before supplementation. But the only way you'll know if you're deficient is if you have a blood test. So, you know, that could be a really good place to start is getting a baseline blood test, seeing if there is any underlying nutritional deficiencies, which you can then correct with a supplement. But generally for vegans and vegetarians, the main nutrients or the main foods to be mindful of are those high in iron, calcium, vitamin D, omega-3 essential fatty acids, which is your fish oil hand and your zinc. And these are really hard to get because they are found in animal products. So with your iron, you've got foods like chickpeas, lentils, legumes, all of those really high prebiotic foods and fortified cereals as well. With your B12, that's probably the most challenging one for vegans in particular to get through food because the main source is meat. So supplementation or B12 injections are usually necessary And then you've got your omega-3s, which there is the fish oil supplement if needed. Otherwise, you can find those in things like walnuts, chia seeds, hemp seeds, and your zinc is in your pumpkin seeds and your lentils. And then vitamin D as well is a really good one. So we know that the best source of vitamin D is the sun, but being sun smart and, you know, mindful of how harsh the sun is here in Australia, it's not the most ideal way to get our vitamin D intake. So what you can actually do is leave mushrooms in the sun and they absorb vitamin D from the sun and they're the only plant food that can actually do that. So that's a really cool little hack. Really? Oh, Hannah's stuffed then because she hates mushrooms. Uh, (laughs) I actually do have a vitamin D supplement that I don't. I'm just really bad with remembering to take my supplements. I do. I never forget fish oil just because anecdotally I had done a lot of research on fish oil. I've never eaten fish. I don't get any of those omega-3s and I'd done like a lot of research on brain health and I had seen that fish oil was actually something that I wanted to take and I'm like religious about taking it. I don't know. Anecdotally for me, I feel like it really does help. Oh, definitely. And omega-3s are so important. And the plant sources aren't absorbed as well as the sources found in fish, salmon, oily fish. So yeah, not a bad thing that you're diligent with it. Keep it up. (laughs) Well, some great tips there, Millie. Thank you so much for coming back on the pod. It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me back on. Hannah, something I know you get asked a lot about is frizzy hair products and to be honest I even get this in my Q&A's I'm like go and ask Hannah (laughs) I don't have frizzy hair yeah you don't have like one frizz in your hair yeah it's just not my hair type no it's so smooth but if you also have quite frizzy hair Hattie also has haggard hair like you. So when her hair dries naturally, it just goes. What does she use? I'd be interested to know. I think I gave her Alterna. Ah, yep. I'm going to talk about Alterna. Does she like it? Yes, she really did like it. I think she's switched over to Olaplex, but when we were living together, I gave her Alterna and she really liked it, but we weren't stocking it for a while. So I had samples really early. And so she was buying Olaplex 5 and 6. But Mm -hmm. anyway, you're going to share your favorite frizzy hair mm-hmm. products with us. Yep. And this is great because then I can refer people to this episode when they ask me about frizzy hair. 
So I know you're going to say Carla Wow. Yes, I am. But I'm going to actually start because we've spoken about Alterna. And I really mm-hmm. love this. I've probably everything else in these recommendations I've spoken about like a million times, but I haven't really spoken about Alterna's anti-frizz range that much. And I absolutely love it. I will say the shampoo and conditioner, I don't know if Hattie said this, but there's a little bit of a design flaw with the shampoo and conditioner top. Is there? So you like twist it Ah. open and sometimes you have to bang it to get it out because the conditioner is quite thick. So it's like that's my only negative. I have that issue with the R&Co bottles. You've got to like squeeze the entire bottle with your hand and it's quite hard to get out. Yeah. So I've used pretty much everything in this range. So the... Alterna Hair Smoothing Anti-Frizz Shampoo and Conditioner really is amazing. I really love it. It basically protects the hair against humidity and frizz, and it says that it lasts up to 72 hours. Their range is confused with caviar extract and some nourishing oils. It's really good if you've got like medium to thick hair, so perfect for me. So that's sort of the first, the shampoo or conditioner, but then they also have, it's not like Color Wow, but I only use Color Wow on special occasions because it's like quite expensive and you kind of have to use quite a lot. But the Alterna Hair Smoothing Anti-Frizz Blowout Butter. So I use this if I have time and I need to have like a more of a sleek because if I straighten my hair without blow drying it, it always just buffs up. So I'll use this and then I'll blow dry my hair like not straight, but I'll blow dry it and then I'll straighten it after. So that's the same, reduces frizz by up to 80% for up to 72 hours and it speeds up your blow drying time by 40% and it has heat protection. So I love that blowout butter, but you do need to blow dry your hair if you're going to use that one. And Alterna is actually not that expensive either, is it? This is $39.50 yeah. for blowout butter. That would last you. Do you know how long that would last you? Because you only need a, like a pea-sized amount. Yeah. So I really recommend that one. That would actually end up being quite cheap per use. How much are their shampoo and conditioners? A little bit more expensive, yeah. 50 bucks, $49.50 for the shampoo. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, it's better than 55 to 60 I guess. To be honest, I don't use that shampoo and conditioner every wash. Like it'll be a once a week before the weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But their anti-freeze range is really amazing. And on that note, I will just touch briefly on Color Wow. I feel like we've spoken about it to death, but Color Wow is For me, if I've got a special event and I want to 100% make sure that I don't have any frizz, that it's not going to buff up, that it's going to stay straight and sleek, I'll always use Color Wow. So you basically spray it. You have damp hair, spray it liberally all over your hair so it's like quite wet. Then you need to blow dry it with tension. You don't need to like be a master blow dryer, but you still need to like hold the brush and blow dry it sort of smooth and then use the straightener after but you have to use the heat to activate the product mm-hmm. we have a whole episode with chris appleton yes that you can go and listen to oh that was such a highlight that product just makes your hair look like glass totally like if you just can't achieve that silky looking hair with any other product this one is almost guaranteed to do that for anyone it just gives your hair such like shine. It's yeah. amazing. Someone did ask me, a lot of people were asking, like I did a video and I did say in the video you had to activate it with, so people were asking, can I air dry? No, you can't air dry. And mm. then secondly, 
someone said, oh, it didn't really work and I think that they probably weren't using enough products. They said they were like their hair had already dried a little bit and then they were spraying it. Oh, no. It's not something that you just spray on dry. You actually need to have damp hair and then you need to wet the hair with the product. That's why I said it's probably more for special occasions unless you have like unlimited funds to spend on your hair care because $50 a bottle, I think. When we say liberally, we mean liberally. Liberally, You need to apply as much as you can to dampen the hair. I think it lasts four washes, the anti-humidity, yeah. so you don't need to use it every wash. You can use it before the weekend and then it'll last throughout the week. And you'll also just find that you won't have to restyle your hair as well. So that heat damage that you might get from using a blow dryer if you wouldn't normally is kind of negated by the fact that you don't then have to re-straighten your hair the next day because it will last Yeah, it will last. Mm. So I did want to talk about a product that a lot of people want to air dry their hair. My only thing I'll say with air drying is that you're more likely to have frizz and it just, no matter what product you use, if you've got curly, frizzy hair, air drying your hair, you're going to have some frizz. And even if you straighten your hair and you've got kind of thick, coarse, curly hair, your hair's not going to stay dead straight if you don't blow dry it first. But I do have a product that does work for air drying. It's the Virtue Unfreeze Cream. I've spoken about this one a lot. It also fights freeze and protects against humidity. And I really like it for curly hair because it does help with that frizz. And because it's got the Alpha Keratin 60KU, which is their kind of like fancy keratin made like what how do I describe it repair ingredient yeah it's like their patented technology yeah that's really good for repair because it's got that as well it'll help to like strengthen the hair over time so highly recommend I wonder if anyone's written in the reviews that I surely (laughs) yeah people have said this product is an absolute game changer someone said it's similar to Olaplex 6 but it's cheaper Mm. wow 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 This cream really does reduce a lot of the frizz. I like that people are saying it reduces the frizz. It doesn't get rid of all. Yeah. It's not like the Color Wow product that really gets rid of all frizz. It will reduce it. So that actually brings me to Olaplex. A lot of people think that Olaplex is just for like bleached or like color treated hair. But actually Olaplex, my sister reorders Olaplex shampoo and conditioner every time she runs out from me Mm -hmm. on my staff discount. (laughs) She's got similar hair to me, very thicker and more coarse than my hair and she loves the Olaplex shampoo and conditioner. I just think because it's a repair product, it doesn't weigh down the hair. Repairing the curl will help to reduce frizz. So I recommend the whole Olaplex range, including the number eight mask, which is amazing. Next is if you want to be a little bit bougie, I haven't used this in so long, but when I did, I absolutely loved it. Kerastase Discipline range. Another very popular frizz range. Kerastase, as you know, has like a different range for all different hair types. And the Discipline range, it's the orange packaging. That one is specifically for thick, coarse, frizzy hair. And if you weren't going to do the shampoo and conditioner and you still wanted to splurge on something from that range, the mask. Mm -hmm. Like it is so nice absolutely love. So you can't go wrong with Kerastase. And then finally is the Goldwell Kerasilk. It has keratin and silk. Yeah. I think it's like silk proteins. Yeah. That is probably like my go-to everyday anti-frizz shampoo and conditioner. Mm. Goldwell isn't ridiculously. I was going to say that's a little bit more affordable, isn't it? Versus the others that we've spoken about. So if you 
were just going to get like a shampoo and a mask and you were like on a bit more of a budget, the Goldwell Kerosene Control Shampoo, it's in the gold packaging, is $38.95. And then I would then mm-hmm. get the Kerosene Control Intensive Smoothing Mask and skip the conditioner. And that one's $46.95. It's still not supermarket okay. prices. But it's also not quite like salon professional. It's not $8 yeah. on sale for a liter <laughs> at the supermarket. It's a little bit more. It's salon professional and mm. it really does work and it's just good for every day. I love that shampoo. I love Goldwell and I think their products are amazing. Any other tips that you have for people that are trying to fight frizz? I think the number one tip is air drying your hair is just not like I just feel like if I'm going somewhere and I need my hair to not buff up like I went to the Australian Open, it was 37 degrees. And I was like, I just don't want my hair to buff up and get frizzy in that kind of humidity. You just have to blow dry your hair first. Like for me, it's like I used to think, oh, but I don't know how to blow dry my hair. But I remember Natalie Ann gave me that tip where she said, even if you just like hold the brush down, you're just holding the hair down. You're not actually blow drying it. Yeah. That plus a straightener after, that 100% works and that will keep your frizz at bay for like the whole night. And what if they want to wear their hair curly but they've got a bit of frizz? I would always use curl products in that case. You know, I'm loving the Virtue Mm -hmm. Curl Balm and the curl mask, hair mask. Yeah. So I would be using curl products, but really the best way is to like limit the amount that you're straightening your hair and then also always use like a heat protector. But damaging your curl is going to result from my experience in a lot more frizz. So using the right products, but then trying to like limit the amount of heat damage that you're doing. And something like Olaplex, if you're doing a lot of heat styling, something like Olaplex or K18, K18, that's another one, if you're trying to get your curl back, will really help to like repair the hair from the inside out. Great tips, Hannah. I'm very pressed. Thanks. (laughs) She knows a thing or two about frizz. I've used a lot of products, a lot. (laughs) So, product we didn't know we needed, Hannah. Mm-hmm. I see another sample there. I know. That I sent through. I'm wearing it today. I commented on your makeup. You this did. Maybe I did. Yeah, that actually might be it. When I saw Hannah this morning, I said, "Oh, your under eyes and everything just look so bright." Yeah. So I actually am wearing this today. It is the Mac Hyper Real Serumizer. It's like they're one of their new skincare products, mm-hmm. but it's really good for makeup. She's bougie. How much is it? Well, actually, for a ser- yeah, $88. Uh, yeah. It's quite bougie. Yeah. It's more about, it says it's a part serum, part moisturizer. I'd probably call it more, more of a serum. That looks like a nice texture. Yeah. But you can see it's kind of got that glow. So it's got some really nice skincare ingredients, niacinamide, hyaluronic acid, ceramide, so it'll keep skin really soft and hydrated. But it's also got ultrafine pearlescent particles, mm. so it'll give you kind of like that subtle. I can see that. Yeah, you can hands. see that, yeah. like a really subtle so f- glow. Mm. The other good things about it, I think that must be the niacinamide. It says it controls excess oil and Mm -hmm. balances skin, which is really good for someone like me with oily skin. Also strengthens the skin barrier, reduces the appearance of pores, but also gives you that like hydration and healthy glow and keeps makeup looking fresh for 12 hours. So it is ideal for normal to oily skin types. So perfect for my skin. It is like, I think it's quite lightweight. I did put moisturizer over the top. I actually Mm. didn't put any primer, like oil control primer on today. 
Because I know the lighting in here comes from above (laughs) and I was like, I don't want to look flat. So you can like use it as skincare, but I would probably like if you weren't wearing makeup, you get like a really nice glow Mm. as a serum. Don't know if I'd wear it like an everyday serum because I think this is probably more of like for me a special occasions makeup. Yeah. Or like prep makeup prep or if I'm like not wearing makeup and I want to have like a little bit of glow. So that's mine. Thanks Joe for sending me all these products. You're welcome. I love them. <laughs> so my product today, Hannah, is doesn't look like you've used it. No, I have. I just okay. keep putting it back in here because there's two parts to it. Okay. Okay. So there's two bottles here and I don't want to misplace them. Okay. So we've got a step one and a step two. This is the Medicate HEO mask mm-hmm. and it's a hydrating two-step mask. The name comes from humectants, emollients, and occlusives, which mm. are components of like hydrating skincare. So all of the ingredients fall into, yeah, Yeah. I I like a lot of their product names actually. So this is a really hydrating mask and I would say it's more suited to very dry skins, even mature skins. Probably someone like you wouldn't get a lot out of it, Mm -hmm. but it does contain lots of hydrating ingredients, which I'm going to read out to you. So there's multi-weight hyaluronic acid, natural moisturizing factors, glycerin, squalane, ceramides. Everything. Uh, Yeah, everything that you could think of that's hydrating is in this product. And so you apply the first step, which is blue. I'll show you. So like a serum-y gel texture. Yep. And then you massage that in and you kind of let that sit on the skin and Mm. absorb. And then you go in. So that's really lightweight, that Mm -hmm. one. And then you go in with step two and that's more of like a rich cream texture. Nice. And you wake up in the morning and your skin just feels so hydrated yeah. and like it's had a big Do drink overnight. Do use just that on its own? Yeah. 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 So I would cleanse and just apply that. Yeah. You could apply any serums you wanted underneath it and just use this as like a moisturizer. Mm. But I think you probably get more out of it if you're just Can applying it texture? straight to the skin. Yeah. So that's, and to be honest with you, it's not outrageously expensive for a, <laughs> what? That almost, I Have opened you, it and it almost spurred <laughs> out on my computer, but I saved it. To be honest with you, it's not that expensive for oh. a mask that's two steps. It's $104. And each of those have masks we lost is 50 mils. Yeah, that's no, true. It's, it's 100 it's mil Medicaid. of product. Yeah. It's Medicaid and it's 100 mil of product. Yeah. I don't think that's that bad. I expected it to be more expensive. But yeah, Medicaid. helps to prevent and reduce transepidermal water loss, which leads to dehydration. So it's really good for that. So if you find that you have Can dry, flaky skin. Feel the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Really hydrating. Nice. Yeah. So that's really nice. That's one of my fave new additions at the moment. I had a question that you wanted to ask. It's trending on TikTok or Instagram? I did. I've seen it on TikTok. Yeah. Actually, it might have been Instagram. I don't know. Either way, this question has come up a few times and I genuinely don't know how to answer it myself. But I wanted to ask you, would you rather marry your first serious boyfriend? Yeah. Or go back to working at your first job? So my first job was like, what job are we talking? Are we talking my first job ever or my first first grad job? First job ever that paid you. I worked at the supermarket as a checkout chick. Did you? Yeah. 14 and nine months. I didn't know that. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I had good work ethic back then. Yeah. I was going to say that's very (laughs) off brand. I liked it, but 
It was like probably quite monotonous for me. Mm. This was an easy one for me because I don't have anything. There's nothing wrong with my first serious boyfriend. He was a really nice guy. And we only broke up really because... I went away and then he went away and, like, at that age you go on a break. Yeah. And then I met someone else when he was in Europe on his, like, exchange. So there was, like, no bad blood at all. So I'd probably. (laughs) You'd probably marry him. Yeah, but then I also didn't mind my first job either. (laughs) So, like, this is, like, both. Like, I don't (laughs) If we're talking about grad jobs, though, mm. 100% marry the first serious okay. boyfriend because that was just like hell, hell for me. Yeah. Like I'm not a spreadsheet kind of gal mm. anymore, but like I, it was, was it spreadsheets? PowerPoint presentations, decks as they call okay. them in the consulting world. Yeah, so I would not want to do that job for mm. not even for like a day. So yep. <laughs> no, nah, I'm, I'm over-exaggerating. <laughs> But no, I'd rather marry. What about you? We need to get a feel for what the first job was and the, who the first so serious boy. My first job was at Target. Yeah. Yep. I hated it. I would oh. I'd work every Thursday night and I would dread it the whole week. And then it would come to Thursday and I'm like, this is the worst day of my week. I hate this so much. Why? I don't know. I just okay. hated it at the fluorescent lights, okay. the like rude people that I would have to deal with. This is something with the supermarket that I. I'm really conscious of now when I go to the supermarket yeah. is like that can really bring you down because yes. they can. I just don't yeah. the rudest people. Yeah, I, I agree like, with what that. What is your problem? Someone once snapped at me for not saying hi in, I guess, the way that they didn't yeah. say hi to me. Yeah. They probably should have said hi. But, like, yeah, you got some – like, you're in the zone. Mm. And so – It just was not – I did not like that job at all and left as soon as I finished year 12. So okay. I started when I was 15. And so I was there for three years. Yeah, wow. And hated every Thursday. <laughs> That's such a Joanna thing to stay yeah, in that I job know. for three years, even though she hated <laughs> so it. typical. <laughs> typical. <laughs> And then first serious boyfriend. I don't even know who I would consider. Like you know, like, no, because there's two that I'm like, oh, one was like when I was like 15, but that wasn't really that serious. So that's a like no. A couple of months. No. And the next one was absolute asshole, and I wouldn't. So you go back to Target? Yeah, yeah. I think I'd have to go back to Target. Yeah. Unless I wanted to get cheated on all the time. How funny, because I, I, oh, really? <laughs> Did he cheat on you all yeah. the time? Yeah. I don't even know who this is. Oh, you probably haven't heard about him. Oh, is that irrelevant? Okay, is that irrelevant? <laughs> We've blocked him out. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Interesting. So you've got two bad experiences. Mine mm. were both like. Yeah, you're fine. All right, just go back to working yeah. in supermarket and marry your ex-boyfriend yeah. and you're good. <laughs> he doesn't even live in Melbourne anymore. Uh, and I have another boyfriend. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd love to know. I'm going to put this question on our Facebook group yeah. and we'll see what you guys say. If you've got an interesting story to tell, please do tell it. Thanks, everyone, for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends. It helps other people to discover us. And also, we really want to know what you thought about this podcast. So if you can leave us a review, that would be much appreciated. Bye.